Hey everybody and welcome back to our podcast Pennsylvania Life Legends and Lore. Um, as always I'm Holly but my typical co-host Ethan is not going to be joining me today and in his place we have our researcher Meg. Hi! And today we are going to be sitting down with Mary Sullivan and Dave Cooney um, and we are going to be discussing the town of Mifflinburg and some of the history and a little bit of some ghost uh, stories um, about the town. Um, Mary is, uh, she works at the uh, Mifflinburg Buggy Museum and she is, heads up the haunted Mifflinburg tours. And of course, Dave Cooney is the mayor of Mifflinburg. So we are very excited to have them both here. Welcome. Thank you. All right. So we'll jump right in. And so some people are believers and some people get into the haunted history field because they love history and tales behind the locations. Are each of you actual believers in ghosts and the paranormal or do you just love the history and the lore behind them? And you guys can pick and choose. It sounds like Dave, do you want to do you want to shoot that one first? Well, I was going to say ladies first. Go ahead. <laughs> well, as far as believers or a non-believer, um I guess I'll say I'm a skeptical believer, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, I, I love the idea of history and I love ties to the past. Um, but, you know, the, it's obvious that there are things that happen that can't be explained. And so, you know, I'm willing to keep an open mind at the same time. I'm not out to prove or disprove or convince anybody one way or another. That's not my purpose. I think that's a good a good outlook that you have to have you know, doing what you do, you know, you don't want to be so one-sided either way that people don't want to go right, on your toes, right. don't want to listen, you know, you want to no. make sure that each side is being heard to the best of your knowledge. Oh, yeah. I, I was born and raised on science. So for me, it's like, man, I don't really think any of this stuff is for real. But that's to me what makes it so fascinating. And I'm not a ghost chaser by any means. Every now and then you just hear these stories, especially the local stories that give you goosebumps. And the only way to judge the story, usually it's because someone's telling you the story. A lot of the judgment of the truthfulness of the story is how much you trust the person telling. Right. And there are people that we all know that if they told you a ghost story, you think, oh my gosh, one more thing they're trying to do for attention. <laughs> The stories I've heard have come from people that I consider to be truthful, and they have no reason to tell the story whatsoever. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wow, you know, that must have happened. Very true. You always have to take in people's backgrounds and what they tell you. And their yeah. alcohol intake. And <laughs> <laughs> that can also play a major factor. <laughs> How long have you guys, uh, or you've been doing ghost stories in Mifflinburg, Mary? Well, I think maybe 20 years ago, the Buggy Museum had a ghost tour, and it was joined, I think, with, with a scandals tour. Since then, we split the two apart. And now I do a scandals and scoundrels and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, that's usually a spring history type tour. And then the ghost tours are the, are the ones in the fall. But, you know, I went to the one 20 years ago, and it was, uh, I guess I'll say, I won't say woefully lacking, but I came away saying, huh? Because it was very vague. It was like, oh, some kid said, or outside of town there was. And I thought, you know, there there has to be another way to, to get it. That something, you know, fun, this, these fun stories. And um, and maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I'll, I'll tell you some of the, how we, this came to be. So about four years ago, and it was right, you know, of course, at the beginning of the pandemic or so, and this is the fourth year. No, actually, so it's about three years. So this will be our fourth annual tour. Um, I said, you know, I'd come across the script of the old ghost tour, and I said, oh, yeah, this, for lack of a better term, this sucks. Um, so I said, okay, let me see if there's something I can do to, to jazz this up, and we can offer this during the pandemic, because we could be outside, we don't have to breathe each other's germs, mm -hmm. and blah, blah. And so um, we had actually approached Mayor Cooney to put on his um, Mifflinburg scenes of the past to put a little, you know, a, a post to say, you know, do you have any ghost stories for us? And and uh, we didn't have pictures to post, but, you know, we did get him to, to agree to that. And I'm very grateful to this day that he agreed. 
Um, what I found so interesting was that, and you have to admit, Dave, that sucker blew up. It, we had like within less than 24 hours or like 168 posts or 180 some posts. And I said, oh my God, I think we're on to something. And so that's kind of the, the start of the, the whole thing. Wow. I was about ready to call on a priest with a couple gallons of holy water. <laughs> it, it's been done in oh, some of the houses. Wow. Oh my goodness. And I don't, I don't remember the one uh, from 20 years ago. I don't remember that ghost tour, so it must not have been a huge success. It, it, well, I was there with my daughter, and that was it, as least unless they offered numerous times, but we, were, we had a private tour. Wow. Yeah, I don't even remember that one. Yeah. Um, but, but then again, at that point, I don't know that, yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know that I would have known some of the stories that I've been told, you know, in the last five or 10 years. Before. No, I think um, Jeff Mensch had found some of the stories and had done the tour. And, and like okay. you said, it's only, I, you know, there's so many things that have come up, even from the start of the tour, um, three, three and a half years ago or whatever, the start of the tour was size X, I'll say, and it had maybe, you know, 30, 30 different stories. It has now gotten to the point where it's 2X plus because I have to have it split in half. And I would say there's probably 35 or more stories on both of the tours. So Mifflinburg, you know, as I always say, you know, we're like the Gettysburg of Pennsylvania with those. And then nobody gets it because Gettysburg is, but you know, but anyhow, so much for that joke falling on. But, but at the same time. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. If we hadn't had, um, you know, all these years, people have added, and, and I don't want to ramble, but I will tell you that once I, when I start the tours in the fall, you know, I usually do four or five, six, whatever they are, and it doesn't fail. Every time we do one of the tours, two or three people will come up afterwards and say, oh, I have a story for you. Mifflinburg is one of the most haunted towns in Pennsylvania. And I will tell you another story is that most of the ghosts have some kind of connection to Mayor Cooney. He is the most haunted <laughs> landlord. He has more ghosts in his rentals than anybody. So oh we're going to get goodness. some stories out of him. Today. Yeah, well, that's kind that's of what we're we here for. Come yeah. on, yeah. too, because when you said, hey, you need to have him on because most a lot of the properties that are haunted his. Will he admit it though? That's the question. Well, <laughs> he's trying to rent some of them out right now. Well, well, I, 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 would, I would personally find that as like something intriguing. Like I would love to not necessarily own a home that was believed to be haunted, but renting them would be fun. Then you yeah. have like an end to it. You so can if get you out. Let, you're yeah. like, okay, yeah. this isn't for me. I yeah. can get out of it. But yeah, agreed. Well, and it's nice that like obviously 20 years ago they didn't have the social media platform like we do true, now true putting out a post and yeah, like you said yeah. within 24 hours you have people just flooding in with stories right i think that makes a huge difference too right. that people have an easy access to be like hey this is my story yeah i think that's that, probably very helpful yeah back then you would have had to put something in the newspaper and then right hope for a letter or right. a phone call right right yeah yeah so we're looking forward to hearing Dave's, and we'll see if they line up with what I've heard about your properties. So what are some of these locations? What do you guys believe are the haunted locations in Mifflinburg? Well, I, I mean, I can, I can only speak to the handful that I know about, and then I'm, and I'm kind of taking notes as we go, so I don't forget to mention the one thing at the end. Um, but do you want to hear specifically what I know about? Like the, yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, so... <laughs> I've taken over the podcast, Dave. <laughs> well, and I, I won't tell you the super long versions, but the home next to us was in a terrible state of repair when the people that previously owned it moved out. And it sold for not much money, so my wife and I bought it. And we thought, you know what, now we get to choose our neighbors. And we say, neighbors, I mean, they're literally like 12 inches off of my driveway, so they're very close. So... My wife and I renovated inside, like we ripped out carpets and did all kinds of stuff. And neither of us had any sort of any experience, any experiences or feelings or visions, nothing whatsoever. And then when the tenant moved in and she just recently moved out and she was there 10 years, she has told me things over the years. And again, this is a very nice, well-adjusted human being no need for attention, that kind of stuff. 
but oh my heavens like she she has seen like like black clad figures and other people have seen this when she was in there like kind of moving across the room oh goodness so and, maybe not she, that one <laughs> yeah, i felt um like one time she felt a hand like run down her back ah oh and my goodness and she and her daughter have felt their hair being touched oh yeah and they have um and i, I this is special my mind because i just contacted her yesterday and, can, and said can you refresh my mind on these stories and she said that there seems to be a more active area in the house and it's at the bottom of the steps and with us so there's kind of like a little foyer area at the bottom of the steps where you can go into a bedroom into the living room into the bathroom or up the steps and that for whatever reason she said seems to be a hot spot interesting yeah and, that, and then so i'm like eh, yeah okay i believe you but i've never had any experience in there so she moved out and she just uh, mentioned yesterday when she texted me that when she was moving out it seemed like everything ramped up a little bit in terms of the feelings and the visions and all that kind of stuff she said one day when they were packing up they basically if that's so bad they quit her own and left and so once again i had no firsthand experience in any of this so maybe three weeks ago or a month ago i was in the house again empty and i was in the basement and i don't remember what i was doing we had, i was doing something in the basement and i distinctly heard somebody walk up not the basement steps where i was you know six feet from but up the main steps of the house and it wasn't like you would think of from a haunted movie where you know if you were thinking like scary sort of scenario it wasn't someone going up the steps like boom boom mm -hmm. boom it was more of a like kind of sound like maybe an energetic 10 year old like doo -doo 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 -doo, you know mm -hmm. kind of up the steps oh my goodness and i'm like so i got goosebumps i'm like oh what was that and of course i go upstairs to the top of the basement steps and in the kitchen and i'm yelling hello hello front door's locked back door's locked there's nobody in the house that i left i backed out <laughs> but and there was nobody outside might have been like eight o'clock nine o'clock at night or something there wasn't you know what i mean there's no way you can mistake it for anything there was someone bopping up the steps it wasn't like someone across the street you know pulled up and got out of their car okay maybe you'd have two car doors shut this was like and then that was it and that's my only experience honestly ever with the paranormal apart from people telling me stories that have happened to them that is my only ever experience and how did you how did you feel about it uh, i'm not afraid to go back in there it didn't shock me because uh, my tenant had told me these stories over the years like oh yeah there's definitely things going on here but it's the first time i ever saw it or heard it or whatever i'm like Ugh. <laughs> oh do my I, do you want to hear some some other stories about that place dave because yes. when you had told me that she was she's on the tour that her place is on yes. the tour uh when you told me about that you know she did consent to a, an interview and that's really how i got a lot of these stories it wasn't just on facebook i talk to these people and, and hear what's going on and i get updates periodically on what's going on um, but it, what's interesting is she did say the, the same thing to you as she had to me years ago. So it's one of those, the, the stories are fairly consistent. But she yeah. had said, when I talked to her three years ago, she said, you know, today, the, the reason why I'm talking to you is today was the first time I ever saw her. And she oh. said she was standing in the dining room and she was looking out through the French doors towards the front of the house, towards Green Street. And she said, you know, it was, I felt this ice cold feeling and, and, and I saw her. She said there had been times in the past because her daughter at that point was a, a young teenager or so, or yeah. maybe just going through adolescence. And she said, you know, that then that sometimes attracts for those that are believers who are believers, um, you know, that energy of adolescence attracts these spirits or something. The hormones, I guess, run wild, even in the, <laughs> the other worlds. But anyhow, um, so the daughter was going through adolescence or whatever, and, and the daughter was a, like a favorite of this, we'll say ghost, for lack of a term. And so she said one time the daughter was going up the steps, and I think she was with a boyfriend at the time. She was going up the steps, and um, she actually, and she was alone in the house with the boyfriend, um, and she had actually heard her name said out loud. 
and you know they credited it to the the uh, ghost and you know they then she had said you know my daughter's off limits to you you know you're not supposed to mention her name anymore and that was i guess respected by by this spirit oh. and she did not mention it other things and i hate to give away the whole house you know because this is on the tour but she said you know the weirdest things have happened in this house and she said that um you know, that uh, when they were at one point, they were cleaning the dining room and they had taken all the furniture, dining room furniture, and they had moved the chairs, the dining room chairs and the table um, into the kitchen area. And she said, and we went back after cleaning the floors in the dining room, doing all that. And she said, well, one of the chairs was gone. You know, and that's not a big house, Dave. You know, it's like one of the house, you know, the chairs of the house was gone in the dining room. And she said, um, you know, we looked all over the place. She said, we finally ended up going downstairs and finding that chair in, in the basement uh, down towards, the, I guess, the furnace area or in the office area where there had been an electrician that had his office down there yep. or something. Yep. She said, another time, we were down to one drinking glass. She said, because our drinking glasses just kept disappearing out of the cabinets. And she said, so we were down to one. And finally, the daughter said, OK, you know, my friend and I, whoever her name was, you know, Katie or whatever. Katie and I are going to find glasses. We're going to find all the drinking glasses. And she said um, they ended up finding the drinking glasses downstairs near the furnace in a gift bag, Christmas gift bag. And she said, and at that point in time, when I talked to her on the phone, she said, currently, uh, you know, there there is a painting. They had decorated their bathroom for Christmas or whatever. And there had been a painting in the bathroom. And she said that they were still looking for this painting because after Christmas was over and they put the decorations back, you know, the normal decorations, they couldn't find the painting. And she said, I have no idea where we're going to find that. And, and you know, eventually, maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't. But, you know, the, she had also said about seeing you know, mists going through the wall and, and, and conversations, yeah. which was weird. She said, I heard a man and a woman, we'd hear them talking. We couldn't understand what they were saying. It was it wasn't mumbled, but it was just like old time radio show, as they as she described it. And then she oh. did, and you had told me then after her daughter had grown up and moved to college, which we thought maybe that would settle things down in the house. Actually, you you had mentioned to me that she had gotten up one morning and found all her makeup in the bathroom sink. So yeah, so there's obviously something going on in that house, and I'll be so anxious to hear whether or not the new tenants yeah, have anything to yeah. report. That'll be interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's a fun story. Wow. That's, yeah, that, that's probably well, we live across your quarry right from the graveyard. So That's right. And I think when we get those hard rains, that erosion is just eroding all those spirits right out of the cemetery, right through Mifflin Park. They're just well, washing. I, I, it is. It's great for my garden. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it kind of makes then, you think like you're going crazy though, because you're looking for something and you don't know whether you misplaced it or right, like, right? Or did Grandma take that? Right, yeah. like, whatever. Where did yeah. it go? Yeah. Well, so the other place that when when we say about losing things is where my wife grew up, and she lived at uh, she lives at it was four thirty two Market Street, it's across from the library. And when she was growing up, now keep in mind there were seven kids and a mom and a dad, and, and uh, two of the older kids were, uh, I think one of them finished out high school in Shemukin, where they came from. But So there was a, a house full of kids, but things would go missing, like hairbrushes and things like that. And then they'd be missing for a while, and then they would just appear like on someone's pillow. Oh, that's random. That is random. Which, which sounds like, yeah, but a house full of a bunch of kids, you know, playing jokes on each other, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And my father-in-law was always a practical joker. So, but they always swore that, no, 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 nobody took anything. Nobody took anything. And then the other thing they used to say is they would hear children laughing and playing, like down the hall. And, and they would get down the hall and there'd be nothing there. Okay. And the children laughing, that's what gets kid, me. Yeah, the kids haunting that that always creeps me out i don't know why and again i was a little skeptical about that because it's a double house for one so it could have been someone on the other side of the house or you know who knows mm -hmm. but anyway so fast forward this you know that was when my wife moved here she was in third grade up through until she moved out but my brother-in-law purchased the home from my father-in-law and we just recently purchased it from him to keep it in the family and when he owned it, he had some workers in there. I don't remember the company, but it was, you know, some sort of local um, contractors. 
and they were renovating the bathroom. And when I, I saw that they were working in there, so one day I just popped my head in and yelled up the steps and said, hello. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm Dave, I'm Bill's brother-in-law. And I did not lead these guys in any way. I kind of talked about it as if it was kind of construction. But basically, because a lot of times when you redo an old house, you find some really strange things, you know, like why in the world would someone use duct tape instead of uh, drywall tape, things like that. So I, my questioning <laughs> to these guys that were working, I was kind of like, so, uh, you know, did you get anything, anything unusual up here while you were renovating? And the guy's like, nah, not really, just the same old stuff, you know. And he goes, well, there was one unusual thing. He said, we, we were heard like kids laughing down the hall. And we would went went down there to look, and there's nobody around. Oh, and I, ooh, man! Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Do you want to hear I, some more of that one, Dave? Well, yeah, but at the time, I thought I thought, oh well, who lives next door? The people next door. It was a man, a woman, and a cat. So oh, it wasn't okay. like there was a family full of kids next door or anything right, like right? that. Right. Yeah, so what do you have with that one, Mary? Okay, here, and that, again, this one's on the tour, too. Um, and I think at one point, too, your sister-in-law and her husband, and maybe they're the ones that sold her or whatever, they had some experiences in the in the house where I think she said there the remote kept disappearing. And, of course, everybody has problems with the remotes. But the yeah, remote on a coffee, coffee table kept disappearing and reappearing. And then there was a pair of pants that went missing her husband's pants and and uh eventually they were found up in the attic and so so then one during one of the tours and like i said i always have people that have haunted experiences within mifflin or taking this tour and i told these stories and she said oh you know yeah she said uh, my friend rented this place as well and she had kids when she was running the house um, from from uh mayor cooney and she said the kids would be in the house and, you know, playing. And she said, and they were talking, they would talk to something. And she's then finally the, the woman, you know, the mother of the kids said, who are you talking to? And they said, we're, we're talking to twinkles. They had named this spirit because it was a little kid and they were playing with twinkles. So at some point you might want to go back in and say, you know, twinkles, you know, come on out and play and see oh, what you get. Oh but, my goodness. Yeah, so the, the kids, because kids are always much more yeah, receptive. and Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've spent a fair amount of time in there because the tanks had moved out and I was doing a lot of work in there and I didn't feel or see or anything at all myself. But I didn't know Twinkles had a name. Twinkles? Was... Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, wow. That's interesting. And, and I'll tell you another one, like because we, we talked yeah. about you know, you have to trust who the people are when they're telling you these stories. The other one comes from uh, a time when the Mifflinburg Borough rented where the Rusty Rail is now, and they had their borough and police station there. So that, that was before we built our new borough building. And one evening, this was uh, the gentleman who was the police chief at the time. I don't remember if he heard something, but anyway... He stood up and he saw a guy like walking away from him, like not an apparition or mist or something like, like a person. Because this, you know, the, the borough and the police department are kind of in the front section of the building. Well, it's a huge building that goes all the way back through there. I mean, it's tens of thousands of square feet. And the borough was only probably a thousand of those square feet. So anyway, so he hears this noise and he gets up. And he sees this guy go through a door, you know, like went through, opened the door or whatever. And, and so this, the police chief follows this individual and says, Hey, Hey. And he thought, well, maybe it was one of the workers from out, you know, there was still a factory out back attached to the place. And, but he was dressed in like old time, like dungarees and overalls kind of stuff. And so he, he followed him and he's, and he's calling to him like, Hey, Hey. And the guy's just ignoring him. And the guy goes down a ramp, and then I think it took like a left-hand turn, and then the chief follows him, takes the left-hand turn, and there's nothing there except like a locked door. So there was no way whatever, whoever this was could have gotten away. 
it just kind of disappeared into nothing. Oh, goodness. Wow. <laughs> and again, this was a, a chief police with no, who had never before talked about ghosts or believing in stuff like that. Just kind of like, huh. Okay, you want more on that one, Dave? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Rusty Rail, yeah, I had heard the same story as well, and I think I might have even gotten that from you. Um, but there was also, they have beautiful murals on the wall. You know, they're, and yeah. they're, and did you give me this one, Dave? The, the gentleman that painted them, I think, I can't remember his name. I'll say McGregor. It's something Scottish, but, you know, forgive me, McGregor, if it's not you. But anyhow, um, he was painting, and he had done these murals at night because that's when, you know, it's easier, it's quiet, and he could, you know, spread out and do, do his job. And uh, the one night he was there alone, and of course that place is vast, you know, and it can kind of give you the creeps, I'm sure. Um, he, you know, and he's out doing his work, and he does fantastic work. And he's, he's painting away, and he hears a voice behind him, a man's voice, say, nice work. And he turns around, and there's no one there. And so a lot of the servers have reported that they've oh, seen things. And I, in fact, one of the tour members that somebody had done, I think last year or before, had said that he was working, and it might have been the owners, um, but I won't, I won't say for sure it was the owners, but they were working at, at uh, upstairs where they have the suites you know, and so on. And you can look across to the other part of the building, which is, is empty. And they had looked across while they were there working, and there was a man over across the, across the way. And they said, oh God, what the, you know, and it looked like he was a workman or whatever, because he's dressed as a worker. And they said, what? Uh, and somebody had reacted strong, oh my God. The other one said, don't worry about it. It's, it's not real. So it's, it's kind of accepted that there is a ghost that is rest of the world, not more than one. Oh my yeah, goodness. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. So you're getting all kinds of stories, aren't you? I am. I had no, <laughs> okay, idea, no idea, idea that all of this is the tip of the iceberg. So um, I did tell, actually, I, I told uh, Mayor Cooney about this one as well, but I'm I'm kind of a sort of skeptic. I, I kind of, especially when it gets close to Halloween, it's like I love a good ghost yeah. spooky story, but oh, yeah. like I'm not somebody who's like, oh yeah, there are totally ghosts. But. There's something that happened in our house that really just kind of freaked me out a bit. So it freaked me out too when you told me. <laughs> okay. So I I live on Chestnut Street. The former owner of our house, she raised her family in that house. And my understanding is that she she passed away or was very near to passing away in that house at the end of her life. And she set up her bedroom because she couldn't do the stairs anymore mm. and the lower room that it's a smaller room but we used it as my daughter's nursery when she was first born because it's right next to the only bathroom that's in the house and prior to having kids my husband and I had a chocolate lab and he we had his little bed in there Josh had some music equipment in there and so at night, like he would kind of like, like that's where his little mm -hmm. his little house was, his little room was. He'd go in there, and like even during the day, he'd go in there and curl up on his bed. But he started staring at a corner in this room, and just letting out a low growl. Now he's he was chocolate lab. This dog didn't growl at anybody. He mm -hmm. loved. I mean, you gave him food and pets, he would let you right in the house. Like he was not a guard mm -hmm. dog whatsoever. So we're like, what in the world is he seeing? We looked at the walls, trying to see if there was a bug, oh, like or a spider or something, a, a cobweb that was moving. There's nothing, nothing on that wall. And he did it all the time, to the point where it was almost like kind mm -hmm. of comical. Um, he unfortunately passed away at four from Lyme's. Um, and then our kids came along, never really thought anything of it. it. We turned that into Izzy's nursery. And when she started getting to the stage where she would be like cooing and stuff, I'd have her on her changing table and she'd stare off in the very same corner mm. and coo. And finally, like as she was getting words, one day I said, Izzy, honey, look at mommy. Smile at mommy. You know, I'm changing her. I'm getting her ready. Mommy, I smile at the lady. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, man. And I was like, oh, what? Oh, wow. 
I smile uh -huh. at the lady mommy. And I would frequently find her in that in her in her room playing with her toys on the carpet, having conversations with somebody I couldn't see, the lady I couldn't see. And eventually, like less and less of that happened. Um, two and a half years later, I had Matthias, and his room, um, his nursery was upstairs. But I often changed him on Izzy's changing table because. It was easy downstairs right there. Did the same thing. As soon as he started cooing, he would stare off in the corner, coo at that corner, um, and then babble and start like saying little words off to someone in that corner. And then one day, out of frustration, and, and of course, Izzy, every time I changed him or anything like that, she was right there because she was big sister. She wanted to be in it. So one day I was in there changing his diaper and he was babbling away and i'm like bub we call him bub for short why aren't you talking to mama look at me you know and and as he goes it's okay mommy he's talking to the lady oh boy <laughs> and i'm like what so how old are the kids now are they still so little, they're six and four do they still talk to the lady um no she not too much anymore mm -hmm. But yeah, they did that until probably about three and a half, four. Mm. Um, so he's a little over. He turned four in March and he doesn't really, he's not actually often in that room where mm -hmm. they their playroom is in there now. And it, they usually just bring the toys out now mm -hmm. to play because it's gotten so crowded. <laughs> but yeah, it. It, it made me wonder. But, you know, on the other side of, I've heard that she was a wonderful, very oh, kind yeah. woman. And loved kids, probably. So after that, I was just like, anytime that happened, I was just like, hi, Betty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. You're like, make your presence known. My kids can see yeah. you. They're not scared, but I don't want to see you. Yeah. <laughs> and then when, when the kids get old enough to have homework, uh, Betty, I expect you to be Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you see all dirty dishes, too. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever one one what's interesting about this tour and everything that has happened over the past four years with people telling me their stories is the amount of similarities the patterns that emerge it's like oh i'm hearing you know from meg oh you know this is it was the this dog 
scratching him and at the corner and looking at the corner that's a pattern the, the kids talking to the lady that's a pattern we have those are all over the ghost tour and so it's that's kind of you know there's similar ghosts and similar occurrences um in, in fact in some of the cases in, in Mifflinburg it seems like they're sharing the same ghost and where the people on the same block have described the same same per I mean they've oh. actually seen an apparition oh. um and then whether it's on there's one on Walnut Street. There's another one on Market Street. And, and the, uh, sadly, on Market or Walnut Street, you know, it's the dark man, and he's a very menacing presence, and so on. But the noises are similar. The noises are similar. You know, the footsteps and the, the electronic malfunctions going on. So, um, types of hauntings. I don't know. They do seem to be attracted to kids, and we've kind of seen that over and over again. Um, you know, it's they. Some of them will stay in the same house, and and haunt the house whether or not their families change or not and then other ones as soon as the family leaves and another family moves in they don't hear anything so you know the answer to your question is i have no idea mm -hmm. so it's interesting that you say like a house is on the same block i i don't think i ever like thought or realized that like they just well dave i think in our conversations you actually mentioned that there are like walking ghosts like they, they seem to like, like the, like ones that like where the whole block seems to be haunted mm -hmm. because they're all experiencing what seems to be the same ghost. Oh, no, that wasn't me. Maybe that was Mary. Oh, it seems, seems believable. And if you think about like, or I read you know, it somewhere, maybe. Um, I, I always looked at it as like some kind of an energy or something that certain people are more sensitive to than others. Sure. And, and you know right. how, like dogs, you know, I, I know, you know, if I'm on the porch and my dog wants in, I think, uh oh, there's probably a storm coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They know, you know, and especially little children, you know, they don't have any preconceived notions, you know, they're very mm -hmm. open to feeling and seeing whatever, you know, until they realize that, oh, there's no such thing as a ghost, so you're not allowed to see that anymore, and they don't. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the fact that children and animals, you know, I think they're just more sensitive to these energies or whatever they are. Mm -hmm. So I, I certainly believe there's something, but I don't know as a science geek what it is. Um, as far as like things that are menacing and, and evil, absolutely. I think there are, you know, I, I believe people can be possessed of demons and there are evil spirits and things in our world and, you know, and people that are so evil as human beings that maybe they're embodying something like that. Mm -hmm. it, there's some horrific things happening. You think that doesn't really sound like a human behavior. Mm -hmm. um, are there any historical events that have occurred in the town or in the area that you that either of you feel might be contributing or the, to some of these hauntings or the cause of them? Well, uh, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. No, I'll let you. No, I, I mean, as far as like, back in history, like when you talk about Gettysburg, well, gee, what happened there? Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's an obvious one, but I don't know that Mifflinburg had any, you know, mass casualty events, things like that. Um, it certainly makes sense that when you hear these ghost stories that, you know, oh, they're kind of old timey, all sort of fits with the nature of many of the homes, you know, in Mifflinburg and you know, they were dressed like an old-time worker. Mm -hmm. Well, that certainly is indicative of the old bucky industry or, right. you know, that happened here. Um, so who knows? I, I, I kind of wonder, like, you know, if, if these energies were made back then and are haunting now, certainly there are energies now that might haunt in the future. Right. And you might hear someone say something like, yeah, they were in an American Eagle sweater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like... Oh, yeah, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always call them time wrinkles because it seems like, you know, it's not necessarily a haunting as much as it's just a wrinkle in time where, you know, that that whatever was going on is still going on if you, you know, look at it at the right time of day or whatever. Um, and, and I think you're, I agree that you know, there are no major historical events that took place in Mifflinburg that triggered this. But I, I, what's what's fun is that probably on these tours that I do, there are at least maybe thirty percent of the the stories have uh, have a backstory. I'll say, you know, where you, even yours, Meg, where you say, "Oh, hi, Betty." You know, maybe it was Betty, maybe it's not Betty. Um, but one of the things um, when I do the other historical tours, the the uh, scandals types, you know, they're, they're fun stories about you know 
local people from the past. And I might add there's quite a few Coonies, but I'm not going down that rabbit hole. But anyhow, <laughs> but they always have like dirt, they're always dirty laundry. That, that, uh, it's, it's fun to air that. But anyhow, um, you know, the, one of the, the, the newspapers, I pull out these Mifflinburg Telegraphs that I have purchased in the past. I have like year, decades worth of Mifflinburg Telegraphs in the 1800s because that's what I do. I, you talk about being a science geek. Well, I'm a newspaper geek and I love reading those old newspapers. And you find the most unbelievable stories. And that when you're looking at these stories about people in Mifflinburg and you say, oh my God, now that, and you're going, here's a perfect example. Um, Rusty Rail, when you're talking about this guy in his workman's outfit, da 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 da, da he looks you know, in the buggy industry or whatever, could very well be. But the one time I was reading this paper last year after you know getting all these ghost stories for Rusty Rail compiled, and I looked, and there's, and I cannot remember his name for the life of me, but there's a small article in the front page of the paper that a worker at what was then a Mifflinburg um, body company, or buggy and gear company, or whatever, um, a worker had fallen to his death at that site. Oh, and I said, oh my God, this is Frank such and such that we're looking at. <laughs> so those are the fun kind of connections. Is, there, is that who it is? No, who knows? I don't know. But those are fun kind of, like I said, backstories. Yeah. And you think, oh, Jesus, what's going on? You're like, that one kind of makes sense now. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So yeah. that gets thrown into a ghost story. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So. When, when we moved, um, I think I, it, was, it was right before the 1972 Hurricane Agnes flood. We moved, uh, my family had lived uh, above the sub shop. It's not the sub shop anymore. At the corner of Fifth and Chestnut, we had lived there. I think prior to my birth, my family had lived to the west a little bit on Chestnut Street on the other side. But my earliest recollections of life are living in uh, an apartment above the sub shop. And then we moved when I was, whatever, five or six years old, down to Walnut Street, to 506 Walnut Street. And the story was, and I think this was all corroborated, that somehow or another, there was a man who lived in our house, I don't know if he owned it or whatever, many, many years ago, and his name was Clarence. And Clarence went up to the OR Laney Five and Dime, and he walked in and he said, and, and I, pardon me for being sexist, but this is from an earlier era. He, he went in and said, I want to buy some rope. And he bought a length of rope. And they said, what are you doing? He said, my wife's a nag. I'm going to go hang myself. And so he came home and hung himself in what then became my mom's garage. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So when we moved into the home in the cellarway, you know, a lot of times you go down an old cellarway and there's shelves ahead of you. You know what I mean? Across. Yep. Yep. So there was this pair of black shoes in the cellarway. Very, very old looking men's shoes. And my mom said, now listen, don't ever touch those shoes. Don't move them. Those are Clarence's shoes and we don't want to upset him. Oh, so, guess what? If you go down there right now and look, the shoes are still there. Oh my goodness. So That's amazing. We, we clean around them, we don't move them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, yeah, I wouldn't want to be the one mom, to touch them. <laughs> my mom said, I don't have any idea if those are his shoes. I just always said that. <laughs> <laughs> but they're still there. And we don't touch them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of touched on um, the question about whether you know any of the ghosts or know who they are. Um, I'm interested. So to see if the tenants that, you know, you just had move out, Dave, if they... You know, you said that it had, like, a really strong connection with the daughter to see if, like, will that ghost stay in the house? Will yeah, that ghost I know. kind of follow that family? It'd be interesting to find out wherever they end up, you know, if they continue to have similar experiences or if the, the whatever new tenants come in, and that one will be an interesting, yeah, thing yeah. to follow up with. Um, and they were wonderful people, and I'm not wishing any ill will on them at all, but I hope it went with them, because I don't, the, the new tenant moving in is also a lovely person, so I'm going to be scared away. <laughs> <laughs> Do either of you have a favorite local ghost story? Um, well, the one I told you, I, I just, about my wife and the, the laughing children and all that. 
especially then since I corroborated it with the, the guys that were in there working on the bathroom, mm-hmm. that freaked out a little bit. Because, mm-hmm. you know, over the years after hearing this, you know, it was probably 10 or 15 years of hearing this story about the laughing children. I thought, yeah, right, it was your sisters or your dad playing a joke on you or something. But mm-hmm. then when they said it, I was like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sends chills up your spine. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm curious because this is the Shelling Agency. I don't know if it's if the podcast is advertised that way or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, supposedly the Shelley House, that what had been the Shelley House there in Harleton, had quite a bit of activity at one point too. Have you heard that? No, I didn't even know there was a Shelley House. Well, there. no. As you go through west through Harleton, there's a gorgeous red brick Victorian, and I cannot remember the historical, the name of the guy that, that was in there. Um, but this this story came to me actually from someone who's, he's in his 70s now, but he was friends with the Shawleys, and Doc, Stan Shawley or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Dr. Stanford Shawley. Okay, so he was, he's friends with, or was friends with him, I'm assuming he's no longer alive. Um, but he said that, you know, two things that he had heard about that house, and the one was that Mrs. Shaw, I don't know what generation of Mrs. Shawley's it was, but she had had a piano tuner come into the house to uh, tune the piano. And um, he came running out the door outside. She was out pulling weeds or whatever. He came running out and he said, that's it, I'm done. He said, you're gonna have to get somebody else to do the piano. She said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you know, something just hit me in the back of the head with the, the hymnal that was on there. Oh my goodness. So he ran out. So then the, the, the guy that, that uh, told me the stories, he said he was in the house to do um, to go hunting, I guess, the next morning. He was friends with some Mr. Shaw. Um, and they were supposed to be going hunting early next morning, so he stayed over so they could get an early start. And apparently the house had like a, a horseshoe-type staircase going on. And that um, he was you know, there in the, in, at night, and he kept hearing he was assuming it was Mr. Shawley, you know, tormenting him, running up and down the steps, up and down the steps or whatever. And so finally he got fed up with it. He heard him running up the steps and right right there in front of his, his door, he had heard the, the uh, steps, you know, the footsteps stop. So he's going to throw open the door and say, knock, knock it off or whatever type of foul language he's going to use. At any rate, um, he heard the steps, you know, thump, 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 thump up the steps and threw open his door and there was nothing there. So he said the house is haunted. But then his follow-up was that after they left and the other family, another family moved in, they said nothing. There's nothing in the house. It's funny that you say that because I heard this story from one of Josh, my husband Josh. He's Josh Troop, but he's Carol Shelley's son. I heard this from one of his cousins. That same same story. Oh my! Was he in the hunting party? <laughs> no, he was not. But. Oh. Um, he, he is not really, he doesn't really get into any of the spooky stuff, but, um, I heard that story told by some, by one of his cousins, by Lauren. Lauren told me that story (laughs) years ago. Go figure. Part of like a, you know, spooky, everybody shared a spooky story thing in college. And that's one of the ones she shared. Oh. So, and I didn't know that was the house. She's just like one of her relatives. Yeah. Um. Interesting. So, we wow. should go to the house. We should. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. I, I also wanted to ask, there's two stories that I personally have heard of, and I didn't know if either of you had heard of them. One is, I, I heard that the quarry is haunted, that people have seen a lot of, like, like heard, um, like, disembodied voices, like, could hear, like, nobody's there but they hear voices like people talking oh, um, I never heard that as That's well as like though. some odd like orb light, lights which you know orbs people kind of like eh. but and the other one I heard and it's not technically Mifflinburg but um, Jeffrey Fraser he's a folklorist okay yeah he writes books yes. yeah yeah there is a story in his one of his books about uh, the ghost of halfway down. Oh, the nurse. The, yeah. The, the nurse was the nurse. driving up and saw the I have not, yeah. I have dug and dug and I have not found another person that has had an experience up there. Although yeah, yeah. other people have said that they've heard like voices that, but no people around. Yeah. But um, 
I didn't know if any either of you had, had ever heard of those. Yeah, I had heard the halfway dam one before. Mm -hmm. And the, the quarry is interesting um, only because there were, at one point, like in the 40s, 1940s, the um, local kids used to hang out in the buggy museum, the repository. I don't know if that's one quarry road. Mm -hmm. They used to hang out in it, and they'd say it was haunted. Um, but what was interesting, there had been one of the owners of the quarry, way before the day dating this period of time, um, had committed suicide up there. Oh. And that supposedly he blew himself up. Because, you know, oh, I, you know, that might be one of those urban legends that just sounds so good, you know, yeah. I don't know. Oh or rural legends, yeah. Wow. No wonder my place is haunted next there door. There you go. No, no doubt. There's, yeah. Yikes. Wow. This is a learning experience for me. I'm not going out of the house. <laughs> I'm curious if you guys think that the hauntings are, like, centralized in a certain area in Mifflinburg or is it kind of the stories that you have is it kind of all over or does it kind of I, I don't know I mean, you know Mifflinburg is an extremely old town you know in terms of the United States you know obviously it's not 1600s like Europe or something but um Mary have you heard of any stories from like I'll call it the new section of Mifflinburg which would be the kind of the east end like by the middle school when I say new that was you know, built 1970s rather than the yeah. 1870s. Actually, yeah, there were a couple from there. So it's not, you know, maybe again, it's that ghost erosion or ghost drift or something. Yeah. But yeah, there are a couple of things there. But but for the most part, they're in the older section. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes it, it makes it easier on a walking tour, I can tell you that. <laughs> and do, do the ghosts, Mary, do you find the ghost stories are mostly from like um, summer and spring and fall and then the ghosts go south for the winter and like... <laughs> yeah, but is there a time that you think that there's more spiritual activity? I'll tell you one thing. Everybody complains when the roads are being dug up in Mifflinburg, Dave, because that makes, must have hit some because the ghosts some... get very active during construction. So I can really? hardly wait to hear the 304 stories because that's going on forever. Well, I have read that, that, you know, any kind of renovation, yeah. road work yeah. close to house, right. homes, yep. and things like that can yeah. start. Yeah, um, absolutely. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that was I mean, I didn't do a lot of, like, I don't do a lot of research or anything on this. I just enjoy the stories and, right. you know, and especially the ones that you think, oh, probably is for real. So, but. so one thing that I find interesting, Mary, you had called it a time lapse. And, Dave, you mm -hmm. said you kind of have, or um, you kind of have a scientific take on this, but a time wrinkle. I'm yeah. sorry you said. Um, I I I love like reading about some of these things and actually mm -hmm. listening to podcasts about Absolutely. you know people's just the I love the history of it. Um, but one person that was on a podcast that I listened to that um, had a theory, and he he was um, a physicist. And he kind of takes on like this, almost a mindset of like a metaverse. He said, you know, we look at time like it's a straight mm -hmm. line, but it's not. Time is flu fluid and it can, it, and he's like, you, what his theory is like, you know, you, as one person, you make a decision and you can make it decide A or B. And if you decide B somewhere else in another universe, you might have been deciding A, and then that branches off. And what we see, or people who are sense enough to, sensitive enough to see as ghosts, is actually just another spectrum in time playing. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And it, it's two moments in time crossing. Right, right. And it's just intersection. It's just playing, and I don't necessarily know if I believe it or not, but that's just a very interesting way right. of Avoided. seeing it. And this very scientific person right. who's coming up with this his theory of why so many people experience see and see things, mm -hmm. and that and, and also it connects in that there's energy, and so when there's strong emotions and, mm -hmm. and strong experiences and places, it almost leaves like an imprint. Um, from from that energy, but I don't know. I just I, I don't know. I believe that, but but also I've heard stories of where someone like the ghost or from another dimension is 
contacting people directly from our dimension. And I won't name names on this, but it's someone I definitely believe. She's since passed away. But this was a teacher in the Mifflinburg area. And she had, I believe, a niece. And the niece was one of these, I see ghosts all the time. And I'm talking like from the time she was tiny little until she was a teenager. And the lady has told, she told us stories and I'm like, holy crap. And some, the one was like, they have like a little place where they have their computer. And there's this little boy who hangs out beside the computer and she's always talking to this girl. And the girl, you know, it's just matter of fact, like talks to this person because they're always there. And the, the one story was that this, this young lady was in school and the teacher was teaching something, I don't remember, some history lesson, you know, like the Revolutionary War. And this is what happened. And about that time, doesn't some soldier appear beside her? And the soldier is adamant. Tell her that's not right. That's not how it happened. That's not how it happened. That's just what they're trying to tell you. That's oh. not what happened. Oh, my goodness. And, and this girl is like, okay, just shut up. <laughs> oh, my so, goodness. And again, these are not attention-seeking, whacked-out kinds of people with, you know, issues they're just normal well-adjusted human beings so i'm i tend to think well if they say it's happening it's happening but that's just bizarre and and i know the, the young lady was at this teacher's house one time and said hey uh like what do you see like what kind of activities here and she said it's it's just streaming it's like constant people like you know out of other worlds or something coming through here like oh my god portal did she be here near the graveyard i don't know what she's saying on your tours have you ever had like a complete skeptic take the tour with you and and not be a skeptic by the end i i don't know i mean again i'm not i'm not like some kind of swami mommy who's trying to do so i don't take a ouija board with me i don't Mm -hmm. do Ooh, um, you I don't know, touch those. no, I don't see, I'm, again, my background is science too, you know, uh-huh. my degrees are in science and education. So it's yeah. like, I, so, so whether or not they're a skeptic, I haven't had any hecklers, thank God. Yeah. Um, but you know what, I'm not there to prove or disprove. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they want to take the tour, give me the 10 bucks. Hey, great. Hop on. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's not something where I, I have to prove myself or prove their, you know, it, it is what it is. And right. They, they accept it at face value. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. fun fact about the Ouija board: it was developed in the 1970s. Oh, really? It has no dark really? history. Oh, oh, yeah, it was developed fun. in I the 1970s that. as just like and kind a of marketing a as a marketing play, as like a cult classic fun. kind of thing. And what? it has no basis whatsoever in any kind of earlier like that's fun dark magic yeah. witchcraft anything okay. like that it has it's just it's literally just a board game with a bunch of letters and numbers it was developed in the 1970s i didn't well, know that I, I can tell you what growing yeah. up uh like that with in my household that would have been a huge no-no we did oh, yeah. not have oh yeah of, yeah something else we didn't touch it play it or anything. my mom didn't even like i remember when i was little Someone got me one of those magic eight balls. He didn't even like that. Because I remember the neighbor kid was just real little. He was like two years old. And he came over, grabbed it, thought it was a real ball, and went to pass it off the floor, and it cracked. And I was like, okay, put it in the garbage. It's broken. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because even that, like, and and at uh, Halloween, like, we could dress up in things, but not like a devil or a witch or something like that. Mm -hmm. Also, way off limits. None of that. I was not allowed to watch Harry Potter Aww. or have the books. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Have you ever had anything or anybody on your tours experience anything like on the actual tour? I know you have them. They tell you stories and everything. Right. But um, I would normally I'd say no. One, one uh, last year. I get like, I guess I have groupies. I don't understand it. But anyhow, there's like groupies. <laughs> that some will do this every year, you know, whether, mm-hmm. yeah, so they do. So one of my groupies had brought, and she came, she comes from Maryland to do these. Wow. And, and so, yeah, I know, it's bizarre. And uh, so she brought some of her clan along with her. And, and you know, they were an odd group to begin with. But anyhow, I, um, she didn't say anything. And he, he was a, a tall, 
looked kind of odd looking gentleman. Um, and he was like kept hanging back from the group or whatever. And she was with him and they were like, you know, putting their hands on their ears and whatever. And I hate to tell you, Dave, but it was right across the street from where one of your properties is. <laughs> Anyhow, they're they're going, you know, holding their ears, and it's like, what the heck? And I go, what are you guys doing? And um, and he said, well, I'm I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting Lucille, Lucille, Lucille. It's like, what the? He had a spirit box, which I don't even know what a spirit box looks like, but he had his spirit box with him, and he was picking up. And they said afterwards, they said, oh my God, you won't believe all the stuff we got on this. They said, when they when you would say something it would be echoed in the spirit some of the some of the properties what you were talking about the stories parts of your story would be echoed to to like reinforce that yeah that's exactly what happened i oh, wow. i don't know but the, the spirit box so it's like oh man i hope he doesn't drag that thing to us again <laughs> but he might he might but uh, yeah so that whether it's yeah, well, Lucille was across the street. Actually, it's right by your house. It's that that's the house that's just being rented out now. Oh, well, I'm going to look at that. They got Lucille, and I think they also picked up Abigail at that one. Uh, well, so I'm, I'm going to feel if B.B. King's guitar is in that attic, I'm going to make it. Well, there you go. Well, maybe. And then another one was uh, Elias Church, and we're not going into the Elias Church stories because I know you're running short on time, and they're in the tour right now. But um, the the same group took pictures of Elias Church when they were there because that has you know some reported activity, or at least it did. So later on, she sends me this this uh, picture, and she said, "Oh, look! You know, you can see it at the windows. Look! Oh my God! Look! You know." She sends me this email, and I'll tell you what: I'm looking at this email. I don't see anything other than Elias Church. So sometimes you see what you want to see. Mm -hmm. I will also tell you that another one of the people that had gone on tours, not during the tour. But um, she said she rented a house, and that might have been another one of Goonies. Who knows? But anyhow, but she was renting a house, and she then she moved on to um, I think it's oh Chestnut Street, and she said about this situation, and that's on the tour, so I'm not going into all my good stuff. But anyhow, um, she said, well, I have a recording. We have a recording of the ghost because he had called, he intercepted the mother's call to the daughter on the answering machine and they were going to have this little kid babble to, to grandma and the kid was babbling away uh, wherever he was living. And when grandma goes home, wherever she's living and plays back the recording, it's not the kid babbling. It's, this is Zach. And it was like, and it's like, Oh my God. So she said to me, I have it. And so I'll play it during the tour next year. But uh, so, yeah, so we have Zach who might be attending the tour next year. Because oh. I have this recorded voice. Oh my god. So yeah, because it's like, what the? Yeah, so that was a fun story, too. You should be careful. If all these spirits are hanging around on the tour, too, they should be paying. <laughs> and, and Dave Cooney has earned the distinction of being the most haunted landlord in central Pennsylvania. <laughs> you say hated or haunted? <laughs> well. <laughs> So how, if, if someone was interested in attending the Mecklenburg Ghost Tours, how do you sign up? How would they sign up for that? How would they? Well, I guess I would encourage them to become, uh, you know, sign up for Facebook alerts or whatever, join Facebook for Mecklenburg Buggy Museum. Um, because of these, like I said, this is the fourth year. These things are uh, amazingly, wildly popular. And, and so they fill up immediately. So it's like, well, we're full for, for this year. We're almost full for next year. So I would encourage you that when you see that, don't hesitate, buy your tickets, go online, buy your tickets, because you know it will sell out quickly, I guarantee. And I always say, you know, we keep offering it every year, but now next year is going to be a completely different tour from this year because I've split it. So this year we're doing the uh, south side and next year we're doing the north side. And, you know, we'll just keep flipping it that way. But every year, because we get more stories, and just like today, I got more stories. Mm -hmm. So we will add oh, these extras. So everything, it's continually changing and, and kind of metamorphosizing. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can yep. get some stories, you know, from this podcast, too. You know, reach other other people, have them reach out to get, us, yeah. get, get, get us stories. And... stories but, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I don't think I realized the depth of Mifflinburg. No, I had no idea. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I didn't until Mary started putting it all together. I just knew what I had heard, you know, here and there. But, gee, boy, goodness. 
So is there anything either of you would like to share about the history of Mifflinburg that you don't think most people probably know or that you feel is relevant to? Well, you mean in terms of like ghosts and hauntings and all that? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean, I think we've covered a lot. Um, I, I would, I, again, I, I hope people that have stories reach out to you and share them because it, to me it's fascinating. Absolutely. I could sit here for hours and just listen to these stories. Like, it's just awesome. Well, and if, if you say, if, is there anything you want to share about Mifflinburg? I think people need to, and one of the great things about these tours is people do come from elsewhere. And, and you know, like I said, Maryland or wherever, they come from all over. Do, they have no idea what kind of rich history, and I'm not talking ghosts. I mean, you can walk down. There's so much in Mifflinburg as far as history. If you're, you know, I, I'm a lover of history. And so and the, with the buggy industry, go to the museum. I'm telling you, people don't even understand what a buggy museum is. But, you know, there's so much in Mifflinburg and, you know, the walking tours and so on. It's just eye-opening. And I do include a lot of the history in the ghost tours. Not to, you know, because people, I don't want to learn anything. Heaven forbid you learn something. But, yeah. you know, it's like there, there's so much of a tie. Our past is so tied to our present and we don't realize it. And so I do try to, you know, combine some of that because, you know, anything, Mifflinburg is just like, like a little time capsule and just waiting for us to crack it. So. Mm -hmm. I agree. Absolutely. Okay. If neither one of you have anything else, Meg, do you have anything else to, to add? No, I think. I think that was awesome. Yeah, well, we thank you guys so much for being with us today and sharing what you know. And again, anybody who's listening today, if you do have any of your own stories, um, any story, or I know you said somebody tried to take a picture, but you didn't see anything. Photos, stories, yeah. you know, whatever you have, send them our way, um, you know, and we can, you know, get those over to you, Mary, and maybe get added into your tour. Yeah. Um, Meg, what's the easiest way for um, people to get us that information? You can email um, info at shawagency.com um, would be the easiest way. Or if you want to email Mary directly, um, I believe your email is on the Buggy Museum site. Um, it might not be. If it's a direct, it's M-S-U-L-L-I-V-A at pct.edu okay so you can reach out to us and you know share which what you guys what stories you guys have and even if it's not a, a mifflinburg story you know meg and i are interested in you know at least i am just kind of hearing these stories so if it, even if it's not directly a mifflinburg story you know you can share those with us as well um but again we thank you guys for joining us and and sharing what you know um and until next time guys thanks thank you thanks for having me thank you if you liked what you heard in this episode be sure to follow pennsylvania life legends and lore on your preferred podcast platform to stay up to date on new content pennsylvania life legends and lore is produced by harv productions llc